TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Former state senator George Maziarz, who knows a thing or two about uh, what the happenings in Albany, joins us for the first hour. George, uh, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, George, uh, you know, uh, just two weeks ago, we had Assemblyman Angelo Morinello on here, and he said, you know, hey, we're, we're done in Albany. We, we, we've written everything up, and, you know, we weren't looking uh, for much action out of Albany, but a special session, everyone went back to Albany, and it seems that we've got a few more actions on gun legislation. Now, you're familiar with gun legislation. You were there for the SAFE Act. Uh, what did you think of the happenings this week in Albany? You know, it wasn't surprising. The far left of the Democratic Party is in total control in Albany now. I mean, they've got the governor's office, they've got the Assembly uh, and the Senate. Uh, so it wasn't uh, all that surprising that they're trying to, to undo what the Supreme Court of the United States uh, said that New York had done wrong with the concealed carry decision. It's it just, it's just uh, uh, insanity. And, and and you know the leaders in Albany know that that what they did this week will probably end up in court. Will definitely end up in court because great people like Tom King and the New York Rifle and Pistol Association will end up having to go back to court. You know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on lawyers to get it overturned again. And uh, you know, it just it's, it's an an act of futility on the part of the Democrats, but, you know, they've got the control. They're going to do it. Now, you know, we all know about the SAFE Act uh, that Cuomo put through uh, his time time as governor. What does this add to that? What does this do in addition to the SAFE Act for gun owners? You know, what what they're saying is they're restricting at least my initial read of it and and, and a very cursory read of it. it. It looks like they're restricting places where you can actually carry a, 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 a licensed, uh, legal gun uh, into it. You know? And, again, it's going to be challenged in court. It, you know, it, it, it certainly adds to the SAFE Act, I mean, it, it, which, <laughs> I, which I should say I, I voted against, Joe. But uh, it's certainly uh, you know, going to be more restrictive. And, and they'll do they'll, – wait till they come back next year. They'll do uh, micro-stamping. They'll do you – know, more of the of the red flag uh, laws, uh, you know, they'll bend over backwards because the elected officials, you know, uh, in all three fronts, Assembly, Senate, and the governor, have to cater to this far left wing of the Democratic Party. You know, it's interesting, uh, George, because when that Safe Act was going through, 
Governor Hochul was running for Congress, and she was the NRA-approved uh, candidate over Chris Collins. It's, it's just interesting what happens in less than a decade. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, uh, you know some, some people are elected to public office, Joe. This may shock you, but, you know, they go with the wind. You know, uh, she was in a very conservative uh, district, and uh, she, was, uh, she was very, very pro-gun, very pro-Second Amendment, and uh, then— when Andrew Cuomo picked her, she had a, uh, I don't know. George, you know, we hear this special session, and, you know, very quickly everyone's back in Albany. How often does that happen in state politics that the Assembly, the state Senate, uh, are called back pretty quickly uh, to address things? Is that something that normally happens or, you know, maybe once or twice a year? No, it, it is. It actually, it probably doesn't even happen once or twice a year. Uh, it actually happens very rarely. Now, it's something I think, again, remember, it's an election year. The governor, the governor was uh, headed into her primary election, you know, last week. Uh, So, you know, that certainly, you know, the political calendar drives the bus, Joe. And uh, uh, certainly, I think, because the governor's primary, um, now the state Senate primary is going to be in August. uh, And there's there's a lot of internal bickering within the Democratic Party, a lot of primaries. So that's really what the reason why the governor felt that she had to do it. She wanted to catch the momentum of all these Supreme Court decisions. You know, I suspect, you know, the Supreme Court this week uh, also issued a decision, which uh, a very good decision, by the way, uh, on uh, limiting the power of the federal alphabet bureaucracies like the, uh, uh, the, like the EPA and OSHA and those things. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the governor doesn't call them back for a special session to do something on climate change or something uh, about that. Although I don't know how much more they could destroy uh, jobs uh, in New York State than they've already done. George, you know you, you know the people of New York State very well, serving time in Albany. You know, there's a lot of moderate Democrats who are gun owners uh, going into an election season. Do you think that this could be a, a, a bad read by the governor, or am I am I overestimating the number of moderate uh, Democrats? I think, I think, yes, I think you are, Joe. Uh, I, I, the, the problem is there is so the, – the numbers really add up uh, in New York City, uh, Westchester County, uh, Long Island. The, the Democrats will, will appeal to those people. And in the city of New York, of course, you know, with the, with the, the you know, unlimited immigration coming into the city, you know, I, I just – the governor's going to cater to those people. The anti-gun uh, people are convinced those people that they're that they have to be anti-gun. And we'll we'll get into more primary talk and everything in, in the next segment because uh, you know I've read a lot of the Times Union this week and I want your uh, your take on what they've said. Um, but you know this idea, Susan Rose brought this up to uh, Governor Kathy Hochul on Thursday. Uh, you know they they put a, a special hearing together to cover the thirty three. Uh, in Buffalo, uh, or parts of the 33 in Buffalo. And Susan Rose said, why can't we have a public meeting like that on this gun legislation? And the governor said, well, that's what we have an assembly for. Do you think that would be something that Albany would ever consider to go and hear from the people of New York State about the gun legislation they've put in? No, I well, uh, the upstate members may, the more moderate members in the Democratic Party, of course, there's not there's not there's hardly any of those left, uh, but certainly I think the Republican members would have their own town hall meetings, you know, public forums, that type of stuff. 
but the, the downstate Democrats will never do that. Uh, uh, and, and if they did, Joe, they would flood it with anti-gunners, with anti-Second Amendment people. I think the, the best thing for, you know, as a, as a gun owner myself, uh, I would say the best thing for people to do for gun owners are to join organizations like the New York Rifle and Pistol Association. You know, get behind a guy like Tom King who brought this lawsuit uh, that the Supreme Court just ruled on. You know, uh, uh, they can do the advocacy uh, very well in Albany. At least, at least I always thought that. You know, uh, they're they're a great organization. But much better, by the way, I think, than the NRA or some of the other more local organizations. And, and, and George, you brought up the idea that, you know, this will get challenged in court again. And I think a lot of people, no matter where on the political aisle you stand, are going to hear that and say, well, how much money is New York State going to waste on going back to court and back to court and this getting overturned again and get, and again? Does that something that happens often? And in reality, how much money is New York State uh, spending on trying to get these decisions overturned? It does. Unfortunately, Joe, you know, uh uh, elected officials sometimes think when it comes to legal challenges, you know, uh, there's a lot of legal firms that are connected to to uh, government entities. I mean, we see it here locally, uh, you know, even in our county government, you know, where they'll go to endless court, you know, and, and pay endless amounts of money in in uh, in legal fees because you know what? It's not coming out of it's not coming out of their personal pocket. It's coming out of the taxpayer's pocket, so they really don't care about it. it it's it's uh, it's obscene. The amount of money that is spent on legal fees. Another uh, decision that came out this week, George, was New York State saying no to major cryptocurrency mine. Now, I know cryptocurrencies are have taken a bit of a dip, but it's still something that y- you would see, y- you think you see more in the future. Uh, another, you know, job said no, thank you by New York State, uh, thanks to the environmental laws. What did you think of this? Hey, I I thought it was a, just a crazy decision. You know, everything that happened. You know, cryptocurrency, it's new, it's different. Oh, but my kids understand it, you know, my, my grandkids understand it. You know, and, and it just seems, it, I'll go back, you know, when I was in Albany, Joe, with hydrofracking. You know, hydrofracking, you know, Pennsylvania was booming with hydrofracking. I mean, you know, the Pagoulas uh, made their, their successful, you know, fortune. In, in the hydrofracking, in, in, in getting natural gas, you know, out of the ground and, and, you know, into, you know, energy fields and heating people's homes and things. They made a fortune out of it. You know, save the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but, you know, I'm digressing here a little bit. But it just seems like every new kind of nuance, new uh, uh, technology that comes up, there's some, some environmental group, some far left group that doesn't like it, thinks it's bad. You know, and, you know, we're ending up now with, you know, this anti-crypto stuff. And you know, it, it's creating jobs. I, I, don't, I don't understand it, Joe. I, to me, it's another nail in the coffin for jobs in New York State. Yeah, you know, as you said, the Supreme Court issued a, a ruling and, and New York State will probably um, do something to counteract that. But in reality, with all the environmental things in place here in Erie County, statewide New York, uh, how many jobs does New York State turn away uh, because of environmental um, law? A lot of it. I mean, you know, I, again, I'm going to go back to something I'm a little bit more familiar with uh, than, than, than crypto is, is, is hydrofracking. I mean, you know, we banned hydrofracking in New York, uh, and man, it, it certainly helped out Ohio and Pennsylvania. They loved it. Yeah, they sure did. George, uh, another thing that, you know, we talked about a lot 
uh, COVID-19. And I know this is more of a national thing, but I'd like your take on this. You know, the same day that Erie County said uh, goodbye to the COVID-19 helpline, the National Guard and the U.S. Army Reserve um, went into effect a mandatory uh, vaccination policy. Do you think we're ever going to see the end of this, or is this just to get used to at certain points of government uh, throughout the state and throughout the the country? I think, you know, that the bureaucracy of state and federal government, and even local governments, local health departments, have gotten so uh, over the top with COVID regulation, I don't know that it's ever going to end. I I just don't think it's ever going to end. You know, one good thing, I'm going to go back to the Supreme Court, the, the, the ruling that they issued this week, against the Environmental Protection Agency. You know, it said these, these federal bureaucracies are out of control. You know, OSHA, uh, 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 EPA, and, 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 and those types of agencies. So I would, you know, answer your question by saying, you know, I think the same thing has to happen with, with uh, the, the COVID regulations. The, you know, it's, it's, and again, it's not just the federal government. It's the state, local governments. I mean, it's, you know, one, one county will tell you, oh, you got to wear a mask. The next county says you don't have to wear a mask. It's not dangerous. I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems like a, a lot of back and forth. And, you know, I, I did a show on it this week. I said, you know, I haven't been asked for my, my COVID vaccination card since the Bills-Patriots playoff game. And here on June 30th, you have another uh, mandatory uh, going in, uh, vaccination going to effect for um, the Guard and the Reserve. Now, George, when we come back, we're going to talk primaries. But to end this segment, let's end this segment with what we're going to start it with um, next uh, next segment. The Republican GOP, which is the same thing, sorry, the GOP gubernatorial race, um, Lee Zeldin won. Any surprises there for you? Yeah, I, I um, you know, I mean, Lee Zeldin was clearly the favorite. He was the endorsed candidate. Um, I was surprised that Harry Wilson didn't do better, to be honest with you. He spent a lot of money, and he came in, as, at least as far as I, I could see, I mean, all the votes haven't been counted yet, you know, absentees and all that stuff, but it looks like he's going to come in last place. I was surprised at that. Yeah, it seemed like the, the final few weeks I saw a Harry Wilson commercial during every commercial break of the Mets game. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Rob Astorino was a great candidate. I think, you know, he was, he was the uh, uh, endorsed candidate, uh, what, eight years ago against Andrew Cuomo. I thought he did a good job. I thought he deserved another shot at it, too. I think, he, you know, he had executive experience in, in Westchester County. I mean, Westchester's a big county. He, he, was, a, he was a conservative Republican elected in heavily Democratic, very liberal uh, Westchester County. I think it says a lot about an individual, but, uh, you know, I, I thought Rob, Rob Astorino would have done better uh, than he did. All right, when we come back, knowing Lee Zeldin is the candidate, we'll, we'll start where we left off, uh, go, heading into the November election. Also, another primary that, if you've listened to the commercials this week, is just starting to heat up. George Maziars will be with me for another segment. George Maziars, who's uh, back for the second segment. Uh, George, uh, we were talking about the primary, and now we know it's going to be Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul. And my first question is your reaction to Chris Churchill uh, saying that Lee Zeldin uh, it will not be the guy to end the GOP's 20-year um, streak in the governor's office? Uh, what do you say to that? Uh, like a lot of things, Chris Churchill doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but, 
you know, I think I think Lee Zeldin has a great shot at it. You know, a lot of it's going to depend on turnout. Uh, you know, uh, uh, look at uh, the, the issue of, of, of the no cash bail, crime running rampant uh, in, in major cities in New York, including Buffalo. Uh, you know, I, I think that 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 scares suburban voters in New York state. Now, look, you know, when you talk about suburban, uh, you know, large numbers of suburban voters in New York state, you're talking about uh, counties like Nassau County, uh, Westchester County, those areas. Uh, I think Republicans are going to do very well there this year. Uh, I think Republicans will do very well in the New York State Senate. Uh, you know, the Assembly is, is, you know, is just, you know, the Republicans may pick up a couple of seats, but it's almost meaningless because they have such few numbers now. But I, I think Lee Zeldin has a, a, a very good shot. I served in the State Senate with Lee Zeldin. He's a good man. He's, you know, he's a, a veteran. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, he's... And to the best of my knowledge, he's never lost an election. So I would never count somebody out who's never lost before. What does he need to do to reach out to those moderate Democrats, the independents in New York State who, you know, might not approve of the way Kathy Hochul or uh, Governor, Cuomo, Governor Cuomo or Governor Hochul have run the state, but might be uh, might not be the biggest, let's say, Trump supporter. What does he have to do to reach out to, to those that don't? want to vote for Hochul, but don't want to vote for someone who's Donald Trump? I'll tell you, Joe, there was a wave across the state of New York this year with school board elections. It was very important. There were people running for school board that I've never, I mean, in rural districts, you know, like up in Niagara County, uh, some of the very rural districts, you had two seats open. You, you had six candidates running. That has never happened before. You know, I represented all those school districts. You were lucky. You had to cajole, beg people to, to run uh, for school districts this year. And, and the reason, and my, my whole point here, Joe, is people are angry. They're upset. They're upset about $5 a gallon gasoline. You know, they're upset about, uh, about all the regulations. They're upset about, you know, the cost of, of food today. They're upset about, you know, the, the raising rate of inflation. That's the message Lee Zeldin. Back to your question. That's the message Lee Zeldin has to get across. You know, I, I you know, Joe, I'm going to tell you, this, this, this election is not, in New York State, in New York State, is not going to be about abortion. It's not going to be about Roe versus Wade, which, by the way, I might add, I thought that was an excellent decision by the U.S. Supreme Court. But it, 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 that's, that's not what it's going to be about. It's going to be about suburban voters. Uh, he's got to maximize his turnout upstate. He's going to do very well upstate. Uh, he's got to maximize his turnout there. And he's got to appeal to suburban voters downstate in, you know, Westchester, Hudson Valley, Nassau, and Suffolk County. And, you know, last time I checked, and I might be wrong about this, let me know if I am, uh, Governor Hochul still not as popular downstate as Democrats usually are heading into an election, correct? No, she's not. Well, first of all, she's, she's from, from upstate, you know, and there's a, I think there's a lot of Democrats on the far left who remember her stand. Uh, when she was correct, by the way, uh, against giving uh, uh, illegal immigrants driver's license in New York State when she was pro-Second Amendment. There's a lot of the leftist Democrats that remember that. That You know what, Joe? They're not going to vote for Lee Zeldin. I mean, honestly, they're not going to vote for Lee Zeldin. But they may stay home, and, you know, that helps Lee Zeldin. Now, another primary heating up, because as you said, uh, as we said in the last segment, two primary days here in New York State, August 23rd, 
Um, a lot of people in our listening audience in the southern tier in southern Erie County will be voting in NY23 primary uh, between Carl Paladino and Nick Langworthy. First, George, how do you, what do you think of how we got here? You know, we got here because uh, uh, Nick Langworthy, uh, you know, Chris Jacobs, uh, you know, made a decision. Uh, and uh, Nick Langworthy very rapidly uh, uh, threw him overboard, you know, and uh, a, a guy who Nick Langworthy supported helped, you know, uh, uh, Chris Jacobs, uh, 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 you know, when he was running, he hired Nick Langworthy's wife, which I've certainly helped him, you know, and I don't mean as a negative about Chris. I think he, you know, he, he was a, he a very good person. You know, when he had his change of heart, you know, Nick Langworthy uh, pretty much threw him overboard, uh, threw him under the bus. Uh, you know, some people would use even more harsh terms about that, but I won't do it on your show, Joe. But, you know, it provided an opening for uh, Carl Palladino, who, you know, has, has always been out there. I mean, you know, Nick Langworthy, in a sense, you know, created Carl Palladino as a as a political person in the 2010 gubernatorial race. And Carl sees this as an opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch, I'll tell you that. Do you think Nick Langworthy knew Carl Paladino was going to jump in this race? Or do you think when when uh, Chris Jacobs bowed out, Nick Langworthy thought it was his and only his to run in November? I absolutely would agree with, with your analysis. I, uh, first of all, I would say that Nick Lang, I don't, when Nick Langworthy pushed Chris Jacobs out, um, uh, uh, I think uh, Nick, Nick thought, I, I think probably... Langworthy said, you know, I'm going to push Chris Jacobs out. I'm going to run myself. You know, I mean, he's picking and choosing where people are running. You know, he's moving, you know, one candidate from Utica back here to run. You know, we've got a, a great plethora of candidates here. You know, people like, like Rob Ward, you know, uh, why is he not a congressional candidate? But, you know, Nick Langworthy, uh, I think he's, he's always eyed a congressional seat. He saw an opening, an opportunity. He could get rid of Jacobs. Uh, and, and, I, and I do think that he thought – that people were going to, you know, just step aside, welcome them with open arms. It was going to be a coronation. And, you know, Carl, as, as, as only Carl could, you know, he can muck up the works. He can jump in there. With Langworthy being the chair of the New York State GOP, do you think he will be bringing people in to campaign for him? And if so, who do you think we might see throwing their support behind Nick Langworthy? First of all, you know, I think the county chairman, kind of the organizational people, will, will line up behind Langworthy. But they're going to be worried because uh, Carl Palladino has a great following, and Carl Palladino has a, a way of getting you know people to buy into his message. And remember, I talked to all those angry voters uh, that uh, that were running for the board of education, that were supporting candidates for board of education. Angry voters are Carl Palladino's biggest weapon. Let me comment on what you said about Nick Langworthy being the state party chairman. Sure, he's going to bring the resources in. First of all, let me say just a personal opinion here. It's absolutely disgraceful, disgraceful that Nick Langworthy is remaining as the state party chair and running for Congress. I mean, it, it, that, that is hubris. It just, it just, the level of arrogance is, is beyond measure. Uh, you can't run. You know, his job as state party chairman is to get Republicans, uh, get people to register Republicans, to reach out to those moderate Democrats that you mentioned earlier, to reach out to Hispanic voters, which, by the way, Hispanic voters tend to be 
a little bit on the more moderate, conservative, uh, anti-abortion side, those are the people the Republican Party should be reaching out to. And in, instead, Nick Langworthy has been more concerned with, you know, uh, getting wealthy candidates so they can hire his pollster, his railroad call person, his his mail person, you know, which he personally profits from, you know. And for him to remain as party chairman, the county chairman in New York State should be absolutely uh, incensed about it. And, you know, the new leader of the Republican Party in New York State, Elise DeFranek, I'm sure she's working on that already. Yeah. Now, for Palladino, um, you know, we have yet to see. We've seen both guys go visit uh, former President Trump after announcing their run. Uh, do you think the former president will throw his support behind anyone before the primary or will uh, will he stay away from this one until the general election? <laughs> it's a good question, George. Question. You want to know what my good answer is? I think uh, President Trump, I certainly have no inside knowledge of this, but I think President Trump is going to uh, wink, at Car- wink at Carl and not say anything to Nick. <laughs> Now, how do you think this is going to turn out? Again, a very short primary season. We're we're going to the polls in a little over a month. And for the people in the current NY23, it might be very confusing because they actually have to vote who's going to stand in that seat for four months. And then they also have to vote in the primary. Who do you think is going to represent the Republicans in November? It's going to be very confusing. It's going to be, I think, a very low turnout. What's What's going to turn out to vote, Joe, are motivated voters. And I'll tell you, motivated voters are, are tend to be the very far-right voters. Listen, Carl Palladino's name is known all over that NY23 in those rural, small districts, uh, gun owners, uh, anti-abortion people, far-right Republicans. Carl Palladino is known. You know, if you walk down the street in Jamestown and ask 10 people who the New York State Republican Party chairman is, there's not, there's not one out of the 10 that could tell you it's a guy named Nick Langworthy from Buffalo. You know, I, I just don't think Langworthy has the name recognition. Um, I, I think uh, I think Carol Palladino is going to crush him. And then uh, my last question on that race, both guys running don't live in the current NY23, uh, but that's not rare. We see, we're seeing that in a few elections um, throughout the state after the redistricting, correct? Yeah, it, it's, it's baffling to me. It's, it, you know, Joe, I'm... I'm Sort of the old school now, you know, the old guy now in politics. Uh, you know, I, I cannot believe that a congressional candidate who's who's a, a very nice person and a very capable person, Claudia Teddy, is going to be running, you know, in, in a district in Niagara County, you know, Orleans County, West Monroe County, you know. Uh, Rob Ward should be running in that district, you know. But I think, again, I'm going to go back to Nick Langworthy. I think Claudia Teddy had financial resources. And I'm sure that she's hiring, you know, the the the, the polling firms that are connected to Nick Langworthy, the, the, you know, the robocall, the mail firms that are connected to Nick Langworthy. It, 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 you know, um, Rob Hort, uh, did you say you have an Angela Morinello? Somebody like Angela Morinello would be a great candidate there, you know? I just, it's, uh, it, 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 it's bad as far as I'm concerned. The yeah. next congressperson is going to be somebody from Utica. uh. Yeah, Angelo's joining us at 1135. I think I might ask him that question uh, as well. Now, I do have one final question, but this is a national question. Just as someone who observes the Republican Party, uh, you know, who who knows a lot about politics, 
My question to you is, it's 2022, you know, midterms are looking very favorable for Republicans, but let's look to 2024. Do you feel that Donald Trump is still the favorite to represent Republicans in 2024? Yes, I do think he's a favorite. And I'll tell you, Joe, all the talk about January 6th, about Supreme Court decisions, I think all Donald Trump has to say is, uh, you know, when I left the presidency, gas was too... Gasoline was two twenty-five a gallon. Today it's five bucks a gallon. You know, I tell you, it's bread and butter jobs. That's what it is. Um, you know, Joe Biden has killed the energy sector in this country and a lot and and, and hundreds of thousands of energy-related jobs. You know, with this anti-pipeline, anti-drilling uh, uh, regulations. Do you think because you know a lot of uh, a lot of the criticism of President Biden is his age, and, and you know I mean he is showing the effects of his age. Uh, you can be the biggest Biden fan, and 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 I think say that. Do you think Donald Trump's going to have an issue with age in twenty twenty four? You know, I, I tell you, I think Donald Trump certainly comes across in that respect. You know, as far as you know, being able to get around many golfs five times a week, you know, um, uh, I don't see Donald Trump as having, an, a, you know, sort of like an age issue or uh, an attention issue like Joe Biden has. I mean, he seems to seems to be distracted constantly when he's given a speech. Do you think that Joe Biden will be the Democrats candidate in 2024? Uh, no, I do not. All right. Simple like that. Uh, George Maziers, I appreciate you giving us two, uh, giving us an hour on this uh, Independence Day Sunday. I hope you have a great 4th of July, and we'll see you in studio very soon. So to all your listeners, I appreciate it. Thank you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.